So like, um, I was thinking, do you want to like head to the mall and like see if we could get some like personal fulfillment or something? Shopping montage, yeah! Today's episode is Troop Beverly Hills versus Clueless versus Legally Blonde. everyone welcome to another episode of movie deja vu a podcast that answers the question didn't i see this somewhere from two movie aficionados i am your fabulous hostess with the mostest shady and with me is the hopeless garbage monster just one makeover montage away from being desirable john I want it on record that John was the one who suggested I say that. I know, I did. <laughs> uh, but it's really funny. <laughs> I am the hopeless garbage monster. That's one makeover away from being desirable. <laughs> and cue that Jill Sobuel song. Is it Sobuel <laughs> or Sobuel? I don't know which one you're talking about. The I uh, wish that I... Uh, was a super mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be a super mom. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, this is, if you are not new to this podcast, uh, you will notice that this is a little bit of a different episode for us because we're not talking about two movies. We're talking about three movies. Three. Count them. Three. Mwah, uh, uh. I'm holding up three fingers and nobody can tell because this <laughs> is an audio platform. <laughs> <laughs> well, just take a picture of yourself and put it on the Insta. Hold on. <laughs> Done. Great. So you you all can check that out on our Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Movie Deja Vu Pod. <laughs> At Movie Deja Vu Pod. <laughs> Good plug. All right. So clearly um, we are in a great mood today talking about these movies. I mean, they're just so good. Yeah. Oh, man. Three under, I mean, two of them are very famous, but I still feel like somehow they're very underappreciated, and the other one is extremely underappreciated. I feel like Two Beverly Hills has their own Yes, I feel fan like base. there is sort of a, a almost cult following, but it tends to be women of a certain age where you can tell they watch this movie a lot when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that it ran on cable a lot, like in the early 90s. Yeah. And that tends to earn a cult following. Yeah. Why don't we break these down? Yeah, let's get into it. So our first movie uh, is True Beverly Hills, which was came out in 1989. It was written by Pamela Norris and Margaret Grieco Oberman uh, with a story from Ava Austern. Freeze? I want to say it's freeze and not fries, but it's spelled like fries. Let's go with freeze. <laughs> and directed by Jeff Kanaw. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 25% splat. And on Metacritic, it has a score of 32 out of 100. And according to IMDb, it is a movie about a soon-to-be-divorced Beverly Hills socialite is determined to prove to her husband and herself that she can finish what she, what she starts out to do by becoming a den mother to a troop of Beverly Hills Girl Scouts. 
our second film is <laughs> Clueless, which came out in 1995. Shady, this movie is 20, 25? 25 yeah. years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I can math. It is, <laughs> it is written and directed by Amy Heckerling. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an 81% fresh rating. On Metacritic, it's got a 68 out of 100. And according to IMDb, a shallow, rich, and socially successful Cher is at the top of her Beverly Hills High School's pecking scale. Seeing herself as a matchmaker, Cher first first coaxes two teachers into dating each other. There were so many sounds in that sentence, (laughs) those two sentences. And then our third film is Legally Blonde, which came out in 2001. I'm going to take a moment right here and point out something really obvious that I just noticed right now. There is six years difference between each of these movies. Yep. That's cool. That's yeah, just... I, noti- I noticed that, that it was like, we got, we got it in the 80s, we got it in the 90s, we got it in the 2000s, yeah. and it just died from there. Yeah, and, and it's specifically the late 80s, the mid 90s, the early 2000s. Like, it's just, it's, there's like a nice little symmetry there. Um, and the screenplay was written by Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith, uh, based on the novel by Amanda Brown, directed by Robert Lukitic? Lukitic. Sure. <laughs> I tried. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 70%, Metacritic score of 59 out of 100, and the IMDb summary, Elle Woods, a fashionable sorority queen, is dumped by her boyfriend. She decides to follow him to law school. While she is there, she figures out that there is more to her than just looks. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. These, I mean... These, these, these summaries are right on, right on it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I will point out that the one for Be- True Beverly Hills calls them Girl Scouts. They're wilderness girls. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. They did not get permission from Girl Scouts to use the name. So I believe just, it. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like these scores are too low for our 2020 brains because these these are just movies that you need in your life but we'll yes. get we'll get to that later yeah and, and uh i it is interesting to me that at least clueless and legally blonde the scores are favorable like they're above average scores um Beverly hills though yeah the world is a metacritic what the fuck are you doing the world, was not re- the world was not ready for a heroine who liked fashion. You know, no. if, a, if a woman was pretty and liked fashion in the 1980s, she was a horrible bitch who deserved to be miserable and she didn't have any depth to her. Or die, depending on the genre. Well. <laughs> Shady, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. <laughs> you suggested these movies. Yes, I was so excited to suggest these movies. And it's not even because the... The actual, like, plot is not the same in any no. of these movies, really. But the character is, and her journey, the the lead character and her journey is nearly identical, pretty much. Yes. Like, it's about a woman or a young girl, young woman, who, uh, because she's beautiful and she's into fashion and she has the wealth to partake in all of those associated things... She's not seen for being a deep person. She's not seen for having like a lot of humanity. And she sort of sees herself that same way. She like just sort of happily lets herself be in this box. 
And then in some way or another, she sets out to prove that she can be more than that stereotype. Uh, and she's trying to prove it to other people. But in the end, it turns out she has to prove it to herself the most. And she does. Um, of course, the specific thing that she's trying to do is different in all three of these movies. In uh, Troop Beverly Hills, Phyllis Neffler is our fabulous heroine. Fabulous! My, what, I mean, I can't pick out a favorite outfit that she wears. I mean, mine would have to be the, the troop costume, like how she made it. Which one? The, with the, the cape? The one with the cape. Yes. But the meet, I think the one at the meeting is the one that's my favorite. Because although I do like the Jodhpur ones, mm-hmm. the Jodhpur look, I, I, li- I think I like it better when it's, like, tailored. And- uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite outfit, but my favorite non-troop uh, outfit is the one that she wears in the meeting with the parents that has, like, the bird on the shoulder. <laughs> that was a good one that it's is a good amazing. one um, that is a good one <laughs> so in that one what's happening is she is going through a messy divorce her husband's name is Freddie. they have a daughter named hannah and just sort of it's sort of like built out of this pettiness between the two of them where he says that he accuses her of never following through on anything that she's you know, too flighty. And to prove him wrong, she decides to sign up and become Hannah's troop leader in the Wilderness Girls and prove that she can stick with that for at least the full season. The Is it a season? A year? I guess I, they never like actually give you a time, but in the beginning they show off the photo for, you know, the cover of their magazine or whatever for 1989. And then the end is the cover for 1990. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm just like, was it a week? Right. Is it a it, month? <laughs> I think it's implied that it's at least over a couple of months, but like it could be, you know, two months, it could be ten months. Who the fuck knows? Right. And it's, you know, Beverly Hills, so it's not like they go through a seasonal change. How dare they? <laughs> and um and then in Clueless, Cher Horowitz is the incredibly popular daughter of a very successful litigator and she sort of is just happy to float on by in life because she doesn't need to do anything she's set for however long she likes um Mm -hmm. and she's selfishly motivated at first she hooks up two of her teachers with each other in order to get better grades in one of her classes um by making her teacher happy right and then she also wants to make over somebody to like quote she was like feeling better. She wants to better somebody. What is yeah, that? She, she views it as a form of charity. Yes. Um, uh, she calls it good deeds, which she's been <laughs> doing. Yeah. Um, and she has an ex stepbrother played by the amazing Paul Rudd, ageless Paul Rudd, who ageless. Looks, looks the same in this movie from 25 years ago as he does right now. My God. How dare he? Um, but they have sort of like a, a relationship that's built off of, you know, sort of a love-hate sort of bantering. And he accuses her of only doing things that are selfishly motivated. So she tries to prove that she can be a selfless person. But she doesn't actually make that change until very deep into the movie. Yeah, it's when she realizes that she loves Josh. Yeah. Where um, there was a moment early in the film that... 
it's when she's doing the makeover with Ty mm-hmm. that she calls she Josh comes in and she goes, Oh, the X. And I had a minute of like, wait. What? <laughs> she keeps call- I mean, she calls him her ex-stepbrother. Mm-hmm. But when she shorthands it to the ex, I'm just like, wait a second. Mm, yeah, it's very odd because it's also, you have several steps to get to them being ex-step-siblings. It's that they both had single parents who married each other and then got divorced. <laughs> and it's just like so weird. Like I understand him still having a sort of father-son relationship with Mel, her father, because he's the most stable father figure he's ever had. Yeah. But, like, even given that, it's weird to think of them as siblings in any sense. It feels more like Josh is her father's intern who's just at the house a lot. Yeah, and the, the thing, though, is that they don't talk about how long they were married for. So, like, it could have been a month. Again, time is relative right. in this movie. It yep. could have... That, that, that time is relative. Right. We, we don't, know, we don't it, know how long Josh and Cher have known each other. They might have been kids when they got married. It might have just been a couple of years ago. They might still be sort of new to each other. Could have been a year. Right. But like that movie, we know the time. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's... A full school year. A full... Well, maybe a semester. Okay. Because they get the report cards and right. she argues her grades and then I feel like it doesn't go to finals week. Okay. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, it might go from, like, tail end of the the fall semester into, you know, close to spring break, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah, I also I think the party at the Valley, they never actually say it's a Christmas party, but there's Christmas decorations. Yeah, so. So, like, I assumed it was around Christmas time. <laughs> that part is. Right. But, like, the wedding, they, they just the wedding looks very spring. Right. And they never would have mentioned that it was Christmas time anyway, because the Horowitzes are Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one thing that's notable about this movie that we probably should mention right off the top, it is based off of a Jane Austen novel. It's based off of Emma. And I'm going to get to that <laughs> later. Well, I just, I, it's just because of that, there's some things that are clear in the book, Emma, that aren't clear and clueless. Like in Emma, we know that Emma Woodhouse has known Mr. Knightley for basically her entire life. Right. And we and don't. And Emma's written in her perspective. That's why Cher has the voiceovers. Right. Exactly. And then let's move on to Legally Blonde, which probably has the most clear-cut journey for the character as far as what she wants to achieve and how she gets to achieving it and then finally achieving that thing. And it's not really... I mean, she's kind of motivated by Warner. Right. But it's not like the other two women. Mm Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to get called out the way the other two do in order to kick her into gear. Right. Like she had, she had, she wants to get him back. So she goes out for it. Right. Right. She's not doing, I mean, she's kind of doing it to prove him wrong because he did imply that she was stupid, but it's not really in the same way. You know, he doesn't call her selfish or flighty or anything like that. It was just sort of, a very callous breakup. And like, I wrote down as a plot point that the women each have to face themselves as Mm -hmm. a way to like, 
reach the next step of who they are. But I feel like with Elle, that's the whole movie. Like, she she never stops challenging herself. Right. Yeah. And it's also, Elle is sort of, at least from the starting point of each of these characters, she starts off, like, she does philanthropy. She is a charitable mm-hmm. person. Um, she's, you know, very sweet. She's obviously smart because she has a 4.0 GPA at a school that is, you know, not UCLA, but clearly UCLA. I want to say, though, that the, the protagonist character in all of them, they are very nice, but in their own right. way. Like, obviously, Cher is motivated by selfish needs until she realizes that she has to change herself. Right. Um, but she is still, you know, she cares about her father and she looks out for his health and things like that. She do, does still do certain things that are caring for, they're out of compassion for other people. And then Phyllis is going about the wrong way being the den mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's... And again, for selfish motivation. Right. She's misguided, but she's also, part of what she's doing is she wants to prove it to her husband, but she also wants to make sure that she has a good relationship with her daughter while they're, her and her father are going through this messy divorce. Her and, and her husband, sorry. And, like, that's the thing about these women. They overcome their hurdle, like, their, the hurdles of their personal growth mm-hmm. their own way. Right. So, like... Uh, Phyllis, the girls want merit badges. She figures out how to like manu- how to manipulate and maneuver the merit badges for their skill set. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's few that you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting that you know they actually did earn like the community outreach one or something where they went to the senior citizen home. Yeah, uh, but like. Yeah, a lot of them were just building off of the skills that the girls already had and sort of just showing that there was value to that skill, even though it's, you know, not surviving in the woods. They want to sort of buck that idea that just because they don't know how to, you know, skin a raccoon into a hat, that they can't be wilderness girls. Right. And also, Phyllis asked the parents of the girls not to, like, buy the boxes, but to help mm-hmm. her right. sell them. We're going to earn it. Right, right. We're going to do it the way it's supposed to be done. And they do come up with great ideas. And it looks super fun. (laughs) That concert man? Come on. (laughs) I I wanted to sing on Rodeo Drive. Right? In a Tina Turner rig? Come on. Uh, And then then with Clueless, with Cher, it goes, it's longer, Mm -hmm. I feel like, out of all three women. Right. Elle and Phyllis get their wake up calls because a lover has broken up with them. Um, And Elle's is sooner because Elle's is in like the first five minutes of the movie. Right. Phyllis Phyllis is like. Well, I mean, she signs up to be a den mother because of the breakup. It's later on in the movie when she is finally realizing that she's not doing it the right way. Yeah. And, you know, the kid, she's realizing that she's bonding with the kids. Right. Um, with Cher, though... It takes you plays, right... Huh? I, I was going to say, with Cher, it, it goes right into the third act before she has that realization. Oh, yeah. It's when she realizes that she loves Josh 
after she set up the teachers selfishly, after mm-hmm. she made the tie over, the, the tie over, the makeover <laughs> with Ty yeah. and turned her into a monster. <laughs> um, Which she also did because she was trying to set her up with a very shallow boy and obviously that didn't work out. I want to argue, though, that although we're calling her shallow and everything, I feel like her intentions were sort of noble. Yes. No, she, she, is, she does genuinely want to help people. She doesn't have a way of doing it where it's not like, I'm doing this because it makes me feel good and I get something out of it, instead of I'm doing this because it helps another person. And at least with Ty, Ty is a transfer student, so it's... Right also a way to like welcome Ty into this world. Yeah, it is very good for Ty and it's great that her and Dion befriended her. The bad part was that, you know, Cher talked her out of trying to, she, she talked her out of having a crush on Travis because Elton is much more desirable as a boyfriend. Right, and it wasn't until later when she realized Travis is actually a decent person. Right. That she's like, I give you my blessing, my child. <laughs> um, okay. So I know we're going about this very differently. I want to kind of go back to our other way with some points that I picked up. I feel like you have some points too. And then maybe we can do two movies out of the three. Yes, I would like, love to do that because I have a lot of stuff that two movies have in common, but not all three. Great. Um, I have, real quick, a song plays an important role in the movie. So okay. we have the song the in Rodeo time. Drive. Yeah. We have Rolling with the Homies and the Bend and Snap scene. Yeah. Um, the protagonist is concerned about a secondary character. Uh, you've got Hannah. Phyllis is concerned about Hannah. Cher is concerned with the monster that Ty becomes. <laughs> And she tries to deprogram Ty. Yeah. And then Elle is concerned about two people, actually. I want to say she's concerned about Paulette and Brooke. Mm, Obviously, yes. Brooke more so. But right. Brooke is later. Right. And it's, it's only Brooke more so because Brooke is the one whose life is on the line. Whereas with Paulette, it's just like an idea of happiness. And then there was another plot point that I wanted to mention that I'm surprised, I'm surprised you neglected to talk about it. Uh, our protagonist gets the guy in the end. Yeah, I will get to that when we start discussing differences though. Oh yeah, I mean, I know, I know <laughs> Legally Blonde is initially not the person she wanted. Well, or in Clueless, but she doesn't even, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get Here, to it. I'm gonna do a real quick, uh, just write what I have written down as commonalities between all of them. Um, I have in all caps, fashion icons. Yeah. So we have ditzy heroine from Southern California, LA area, who is from a wealthy family. In the case of Sherrod L., their parents are wealthy. And in the case of Phyllis, it's her husband who's wealthy. We don't know about her parents. Um, Although I do want to point out that Cher and Phyllis are both from Beverly Hills. Uh, Elle Woods is from Bel Air. Uh, How dare she? Same difference. Right. Oh, oh, I mean, oh. I mean, I mean. You said it. I did it. You said as, it. As somebody from New Jersey, if you told me you're from Beverly Hills or you told me you're from Bel Air, that says the same it's, things to me. 
Yeah. There's tons of brand names and logos everywhere in all these movies. So much product placement. Oh, yeah. Here's one. It's a little bit of a stretch, but follow me on this. So Cher's father is a litigator, and there are several scenes where he's working on a case, and he asks Cher to help, or Josh is helping him because he's a pre-law student. Um, L is obviously going to Harvard Law to be a law student and works in a major case. In True Beverly Hills, there is no major character who is a lawyer, but there is a pivotal scene that's a court scene. Uh, yeah, she- with, um, what's his name? Jack Sprance. Who Jack Sprance. Yes, who is he's... Fred's lawyer, the wife of Vicky, who is Phyllis's friend, yes. and they have a daughter in the troop. Yes, I forgot. Thank you for writing that down. I forgot to write his name down. <sighs> um, Can but... I get done now? <laughs> <laughs> so my point with that was that uh, lawyers and court trials of some sort do play a role in each of these movies. Oh, I've got another one. Yes. Uh, secondary characters are as complex as the protagonist. I mean, a big thing with Troop Beverly Hills is that Phyllis is not on a solo journey. This is a journey. She's sharing this with all the girls in Troop Beverly Hills. And the parents and Annie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, the the parents, I'm very surprised, are, except for the Chica's Chica, Carla Gugino's character. Um, That's her? Yeah. Oh! Uh Uh-huh. She's so uh, young. Her parent, like the parents are very involved with their kids' lives, which yes. is, again, playing against our stereotypes of that, right. our prejudices of that. Especially given that, that so many of the parents, a lot of them are very loosely based off of actual celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and then with Clueless, there's Dee, Murray, Christian, Ty, and Travis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did include Christian... I guess because other similarity with all three of them, there's a gay minor character. Hooray! <laughs> and then you have Vivian and Brooke, uh, Legally Blonde, that are, are an onion. Other stuff I have, each of these movies has a lovable older woman who cheers on our heroine. Um, it's Frances Temple from Troop Beverly Hills. And then in the case of Clueless and Legally Blonde, it's Miss Geist and Professor Stromwell who do actively... Stromwell. <laughs> and they do actively mentor Cher and Elle, respectively. If um, it was Julie Brown's character... Miss Stoker. If it was, was Miss Stoker... Coach Stoker's character was more proactive and, like, pushed Cher more, I would count it. Okay. Then all three of them have like that tough broad attitude especially Strama. like yeah she's I mean, the definition of broad right l doesn't i'm sorry to call women that but like <laughs> i i'm okay with it i think i give you permission to say broad each of these movies has okay this one is also a stretch they have a dark-haired romantic rival they all play different roles though um there is lisa in true beverly hills who is Fucking lisa she's such a bitch She's such such another word that we will not say on this podcast. (laughs) And she's Freddie's new girlfriend who he may be planning on marrying. We don't know. We'll see her next Tuesday anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And then this is the one that's a stretch. 
in Clueless, we have Heather, who is only in one scene, and that is Josh's... Uh, oh, the artsy girlfriend. Yeah, who gets Hamlet wrong, and Cher gets to school her on Hamlet, and it's amazing, because she's such a pretentious asshole. But she only shows up in that one scene, and I'm not going to really call her a romantic rival, because at that point, Cher has no clue that she has any romantic feelings for Josh. Ah, I feel like she does. I mean, they're very subconscious. Yeah. The big one is in Legally Blonde, Vivian, who is Warner's new fiance, but old girlfriend. Um, But she turns out, she is a rival to Elle at first, and she's very mean to her at first, but they become friends throughout the movie, and she ends up being an ally by the end. And then all of the heroines in these movies cleverly bend rules at some point. Phyllis with the badges, Cher negotiating her grades, and then Elle, at just comes with the territory of becoming a great lawyer is bending people's words. Uh, and even the fucking video essay. Yeah. So let's talk about, do you have, what are your similarities between Trip Beverly Hills and Clueless? Right. I only really found two that worked. Okay. I mean, a lot of these, I'm going to admit right now, they are aesthetic things. They're not, substantial yeah so am mine like the yeah. like i said that the whole movie is set in california right right um a big part of legally blonde a major theme is sort of elwood's contract who's new money southern california contrasted with old money new england people um and then i actually wrote down as like a story point there's a maid character rosa and lucy and the protagonist in both movies is somewhat friendly towards her. I mean, Cher doesn't know where Lucy's from. Right. Cher which... is more thoughtless about it, but she's she's kind to her. She's just not very thoughtful about it. Yeah. And then, you know, you have... Oh my God, I love her. <laughs> I, lo- I love Rosa. I mean, she's she, be- great. she becomes... Um... Rosario. Rosa- Thank you. She Rosario. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Another maid for a decade. Yeah. We're only doing True Beverly Hills and Clueless now. What do you yes. have in your. All right. So I have uh, Phyllis and Cher both have sort of a love hate relationship with their eventual love interest. So Spoonco is a, as an animation company. They animated the beginning for True Beverly Hills, they have that animated opening. And their yeah. famous show was Ren and Stimpy, which gets a reference in uh, Clueless. Both of them have dancing scenes versus Legally Blonde. The closest it has to a dancing scene is Bend and Snap. <laughs> no, there is that one woman that like freestyles. So I'm going to count it as a dance scene. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> and then both of these movies have a lot of emphasis on a parental of, of a, on a parent-child relationship. Um, in True Beverly Hills, the main relationship really is Phyllis and Hannah. And then in Clueless, she's very close to her father, and he gives her really great advice. And that's you know the share Mel relationship is really strong. Whereas in Legally Blonde. She has parents, and we only see them briefly. She does not ever talk about them. She has virtually, functionally, for the purposes of the movie, she has no relationship with her parents. They play a bigger part in the musical, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) They do. Oh, yeah, and it's interesting, though, that you mentioned that, 
because in True Beverly Hills, the roles are reversed. The youngest person is the mom. Yes. And the oldest person is the daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's interesting that they have to, like, they intersect and then they cross, Mm -hmm. especially by the end. Right. Hannah is the grounded one from the beginning. Um, But it has to be Phyllis who grows and can really become a mother to her. All right. Let's take out Clueless. Okay. So we're doing True Beverly Hills and Legally Blonde? Yes. Okay. What do you got? I have that they have a clear villain. Mm Mm-hmm. In each of those. Mm-hmm. And then you have, we have protagonist makes friends with someone against her. Mm. So you've got Annie and then you have Vivian. Yeah, rivalry turned friendship. This kind of ties in with everything I just said, but the main character has to overcome the bully. Mm-hmm. Like that's a major plot point. Yeah. But I feel like in Legally Blonde, almost everyone's a bully to Elle. Yes, everyone. Yeah, that she can't bond with anyone. The only one who's nice to her at Harvard is Emmett. And then... And then Paulette and then Brooke. Right, yeah. And Paulette's and the only... friends. Right, Paulette is the only one who can really be called her friend who's in Massachusetts. She doesn't meet Brooke until later. And then her friends are all in California. Right. They're mostly good friends, but they also... Kind, like they talk over her when she wants to talk about her problems and stuff. They're not totally engaged with what's happening with her. Yeah, in that one scene, you mean? Yeah, when like they, they call her up and Margot's trying on her wedding dress and Serena's talking about her bangs. Um, and then also the main character, Phyllis and Elle, has a moment of weak- weakness and wants to give up. Mm-hmm. Elle has two, really. Mm-hmm. Phyllis has just one big one yeah she phyllis is too oblivious in the beginning to really have a low point right and then her low point is when she's has all the avion water bottles <laughs> yeah i wonder if they were sponsored by avion have well, the <laughs> avion bottles of water in her room both of them have have somebody kick them in their pants to be like mm-hmm. finish it yeah do you have any Well, my big one is both of these derive most of their humor out of being fish out of water stories. So you take the same character type and put her in a situation that you wouldn't expect her in. With Phyllis, it's she has to be a survivalist in the wilderness. And with Elle, it's she has to succeed at Harvard Law. Cher is never taken out of her comfort zone. Um, both of them have a scene where there's a clever application in Beverly Hills, True Beverly Hills. It's right <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> her answers on her den mother application are great. And I love her and I aspire to be her. And then obviously we talked about Elle's video. Yes. The heroine is motivated by a breakup. Um, yeah. And because of that, by extension, we see similar scenes. Like, you know, you had Phyllis with the Evian Evian water. Similarly, you see Elle with the chocolates yelling at the TV. Liar! (laughs) Which I do that on occasion. It's so funny. God, she's so great. Because these are both ex... You touched on this a little bit. They both have clear villains. They're both external uh, um, journeys, really. There's a clear thing that needs to be achieved whereas with clueless it's purely an it's almost purely an internal story so it's just share learning to get over herself so there's no clear goal that she has to achieve 
Oh no, like Velda like, is purely a genius twirling her uh, evil genius twirling her mustache right. during the whole movie. Right. With uh with Elle, it's that clear goal is from the beginning, she needs to get into Harvard Law, and then from there it turns into she needs to be a successful student. Right, she needs to stay, she needs to get that internship, and she needs to win the, the case. But there's a clear goal at every turn. With Troop Beverly Hills, it doesn't come out until a little bit later that Phyllis decides that she needs, Troop Beverly Hills needs to try to win the Jamboree. I felt like, it, though, with Troop Beverly Hills, though, once she got on her path, it was, mm-hmm. we're going to sell these cookies, we're going to sell these 4,000 boxes, we're going to get to the Jamboree. Right. And then once they get to the Jamboree, finally, <laughs> it's like, we're going to, we're, we're going to do our best. Right. I don't, I feel like while they were there, they never really said, we're going to win this. It's, we, we're going to finish this. Yeah. No, you know what? You're right. They, they never have the goal to win in particular. It's just the goal to prove that they can finish it. Yeah. And, and then, then they just win it. Right. And, and they win it by being good people because and the Red Feathers. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the Red Feathers technically crossed the finish line first. And it turns out Troop Beverly Hills, they were the ones who actually rescued, for lack of a better word, Velda. And that helps them. Like that sort of makes their win more moralizing. Yeah. They, that, that sequence shows... I feel like that sequence helped these other two movies be made. Yes. Yes. I agree. Where it's like, oh, you can overcome your fears and still want to, like, be a fashionista. Yeah. And be a human at the same time. Yeah. And then, Uh, okay, I have a few more things. Part of Phyllis's montage, uh, character establishing montage, is also negotiating the price of a designer dress. And Elle has a similar scene that establishes her character in the beginning of Legally Blonde. mm. Where a salesperson tries to take advantage of her and she calls them out. Whereas with Phyllis, she kind of, she does a nitpick and she gets like $500 off. So it's not really quite the same, but it's similar. And both of them also involve in the end having to work with a team, Troop Beverly Hills, obviously, and then Elle with the Callahan's Law team. And then later on with Emmett. uh, And I think David was part of that too. He's there with them. Yeah, he's, he's there to help. Yeah, and then uh, one final thing, Phyllis and Elle both show compassion for animals. Obviously with Elle, it's a major part of her character that she's an animal lover. But Phyllis and Troop Beverly Hills are the only wilderness girls to say, aw, when Velda shoots a bird. (laughs) Damn it, she. All right, get rid of Troop Beverly Hills now. (laughs) All right. I have, okay. The, this one is as nitpicky as your as all of yours. <laughs> Protagonist's name is only one syllable. <laughs> They're also both blonde. Phyllis has red hair. That's what. That's another point that I said. <laughs> and then the both Cher and L have that. I'm gonna, for lack of a better term, it's a valley girl accent. Yes. They like totally. Yeah. Like, it's hard. <laughs> such a Baldwin. Yeah. As if. As if. And then they're both based off of books, which yes. we've talked about already. Yes. Go. <laughs> both, 
of them are still receiving their education. Neither of them are mothers. Uh, both of them have a secure so social safety net with lots of friends, even though Elle is taken away from hers. Uh, both of them have an opening sequence showing her popularity. Elle actively wants to become a lawyer. Cher's father is a lawyer, and she herself shows plenty of lawyerly skills, and she can follow in her footsteps. They also both end up with people who are also lawyers or in the case of Clueless, a pre-law student. They both have school settings, and as such, both feature teachers as uh, characters. Both of them actively keep fit, while in Troop Beverly Hills, there's a joke made about Phyllis not being physically fit. Both of them have multiple love interests, whereas Phyllis only has Freddie. Both of them have a hard-ass teacher who softens up to the heroine, uh, Mr. Hall and Professor Stromwell. Both of them have gags made out of gay characters, Gay men, gay men and lesbians, Christian and Enrique, the pool boy, uh, those are both major plot points when they are revealed to be gay. And then there's also Enid in uh, Legally Blonde and uh, Miss Stoger in Clueless, who are very man-hating lesbian stereotypes, but also yeah. I love them. I don't want to sell them short, but they are stereotypes. Yeah, they are. And Edith even calls her out on it. Yes. There's a classmate rival in both of them with Cher, it's Amber, with Elle, it's Vivian. There's a male character who sexually harasses the heroine in both of these movies, Elton in Clueless and Callahan in Legally Blonde. Oh. Do you want to talk <laughs> about differences? I feel like we did already. I mean, the main difference between them outside of them being different situations is that they're all at different ages. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you have... Cher's the youngest, uh, and then you have Elle, who's in her, like, 20. early 20s, 22, 23, maybe? Yeah. 21 to 23, somewhere around yeah. there. Maybe 24. Who it's her, her first year right out of college and in grad school. And then you have Phyllis, who's what? years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I just remembered. Elle, we can say, is 22, probably, because... They say Chutney is 26. Chutney says that Brooke is the same age as her. And Elle says that Brooke graduated four years before her. There you go. She's 22 years old. <laughs> so that was work. So uh, <laughs> that, that was a whirlwind, Shady. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was a lot. Special <laughs> uh. features. you go? <laughs> All right. Um, so moving along. Uh, for those of you who are new to the pod, we each take movies to do further research on. Uh, we look for trivia and fun facts. This week, I took both Troop Beverly Hills and Legally Blonde. John took Clueless. And since Troop Beverly Hills came out first, I'll go first with that. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it in our... You're going to do Troop Beverly Hills, I'm going to do Clueless, and then you're going to go back to Legally Blonde. Sticking yes. true to our formula, because what... <laughs> We like to follow formulas, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to stick this in at the beginning here because I was going to bring up the spellings as something that ties all of the movies together very loosely. Uh, Troop Beverly Hills, I don't know if you noticed one of the red feathers is played by Tori Spelling. Yeah. Great. Um, it was her first role, um, and the reason I'm mentioning it as something that connects the movies is that in Clueless, they play the song Supermodel, which mentions Tori Spelling, and then in Legally Blonde, Elle says that she grew up across the street from Aaron Spelling, Tori's father. 
<laughs> so all of these movies have some loose relationship to Tori Spelling. I hate uh, that too. <laughs> so moving on with uh, some of the other girls in this movie, the young girls. Jenny Lewis, who plays Hannah, Phyllis's daughter, she grew up to be a rock star. She's a very good musician. She was in the band Rilo Kylie, and now she does a lot of stuff solo. Um, Chica Barnfell is played, played by Carla Gugino. It was her first film role. Tessa de Blasio was played by Heather Hopper, who was in the very first weird few seasons of Saved by the Bell, where they were in middle school. Oh. Yeah, she was one of the lead characters in that. Um, so which character was this in Beverly Hills? Tessa de Blasio. She's the one whose parents are directors, and she's always, like, talking about her therapy. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know which character she is in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kelly Martin plays Emily Coleman. She's the one whose father is an out-of-work actor. But she has been in a lot of TV stuff. She was in the show uh, Drop Dead Diva. She was in Private Practice. She does a lot of Hallmark movies. But I wanted to note that she was in the show Small Wonder. Uh, was she the robot? I think she was. I've never actually seen it. I'm pretty sure she was the robot. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I'm just going to cut right to this one because this one to me is the most interesting. There's the scene where they go camping and it rains out, so they go to the Beverly Hills Hotel and Velda finds them the next morning and says, this is what you call roughing it. And Phyllis says, one bathroom for nine people and they all laugh about it. That's notable because Shelley Long, who plays Phyllis, would later go on to play Carol Brady in the Brady movies. And that is about a family of nine people, if you include Alice, who share one bathroom. On top of that, Betty Thomas, who played Velda Plunder, directed... The Brady Bunch movie or a very, very sequel? Uh, the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> yeah. um, and so tying into that, this was Betty Thomas's last role in a movie as an actress. She went on to be a very well-accomplished director including the Brady Bunch movie. Wait, Velda? She didn't do yeah. anything else after this, acting-wise? Not acting-wise. She moved on to be a director. She, I mean, she directed John Tucker Must Die. I mean, thank oh my God, God she moved into directing because that's a great movie. Guys, 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 be prepared to hear this. <laughs> Say her name one more time. Betty Thomas. Be prepared to hear this name. <laughs> We have plans with future movies that apparently she's directed, and I didn't realize it. Yep. So we talked about Clueless and Legally Blonde are based off of movies, or sorry, based off of books, and those books, we'll get into it a little bit, are also loosely based off of their respective writers' real lives. This movie was based off of um, Ava Austern Fries, or Fries, however you say it, who has a story credit and was a producer on this movie. It's based off of her real life experience being the den mother for her seven-year-old daughter's um, Girl Scout troop. (laughs) And they really did get rained out on an overnight camping trip and they really did relocate to the Beverly Hills Hotel. (laughs) So speaking of books, Shady, I had Clueless. Okay. And I pulled this as a sexy segue, kind of, directly from IMDb, so (laughs) I'm going to read it as is. Although with obvious modernizations and adaptations having been made, Clueless actually does still dovetail pretty closely to the original plot and central set 
of characters found in Jane Austen's novel, Emma. In terms of the cast, for instance, Cher is Emma, Josh is Mr. Knightley, Ty is Harriet Smith, Elton is Mr. Elton, go figure. Yeah. Travis is Robert Martin, Christian is a loose and much more sympathetic version of Frank Churchill, Mm -hmm. and Dion could feasibly be Mrs. Weston. Although it is also possible, given that Cher attempts to play matchmaker with the two of them, that Mr. Hall and Miss Geist could also be Mr. and Mrs. Weston, who likewise Emma claims to have matched. The, the one for Dion, I personally would dispute as Dion being based closer off of Emma's sister, except that Emma's sister is not physically there a lot. Like, she's not physically with Emma a lot. She's with right. her family. I mean, this is just but from other than that, I'm not... Yeah. I'm reciting right. from I <laughs> uh, Yeah, f- it's just my, my interpretation is that Dion and Murray closely reflect Emma's sister and Mr. Knightley's brother in that they are the contrasting couple. I don't... I haven't seen Emma or read it, so... I know nothing about it, really. Yeah, besides- no. Uh, the BBC miniseries is really good if you want to watch any of the adaptations, straight adaptations of that. But for the record, I'm going to say Clueless is the best Emma adaptation. So also from IMDb, there are three suggestions as to why the name of their high school is Bronson Alcott High School. It's potentially named after the 19th century transcendentalist writer and father of Louisa May Alcott who wrote Little Women. It may also be named after Bronson Pinchot. Yes. Actor in the 90s who played Balky in Perfect Strangers. <laughs> yes. You're welcome for that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Who dated Amy Ackerling during the time, and his middle name is also Alcott. Or in a book called The School is Driving Me Crazy by Nat Hentoff, it's the name of the prep school in there. Oh. And that book came out in like 1975. Oh, okay. Um, so obviously Christian is called out for being a, a homosexual. Right. They show you ways that he was a homosexual. But did you know that there was an earlier reference to him being gay? Him liking Billie Holiday? Before that. <laughs> um, no. Do you remember the little montage where Cher tries to flirt with him by giving herself presents? (laughs) Christian is reading a book called Junkie by William S. Burroughs. That book is about a protagonist who is a heroin addict and eventually has sex with men. And William S. Burroughs is also gay. He is. He's had sex with men. Right, right. He is not heterosexual. He is not of the heterosexual persuasion. You know, like, in Ow. minutes of meeting Christian. You're welcome. I never Bring noticed that. And then one last thing to note, uh, Brittany Murphy and Brooke and Meyer voiced the mm-hmm. same character in King of the Hill. Uh, <gasps> Joseph Gribble. Yeah. Uh, Murphy did him before puberty, and Meyer did him post-puberty. Fuck, I like, I knew that, but I never made that connection with Clueless. Yeah. And it's funny that it's those two. Yeah. Because they end up, their characters end up dating in the end. 
Yeah. Quick observation, just to shout out that this is our third movie with Donald Faison that we've spoken about. The first two being we just did Pitch Perfect a while ago, and that uh, I forgot he was in that movie. <laughs> and he was in Josie and the Pussycats in the same boy band as Brecken Meyer. So this is our second Brecken Meyer movie. Yeah. Ah, uh, thank you, Donald Faison, for being a special <laughs> guest on our podcast. He, apparently, I think this makes him our favorite actor. For now. <laughs> they, things might change in the future. Woo. You want to you do some Legally Blondness? Yeah, let's, let's get into the Legally Blondness. Out of the three of these movies, I would consider this one the most mainstream successful. Yeah. Because this is what made Reese Witherspoon a huge star, and she is still enjoying that starhood to this day. Yep. On top of that, Legally Blonde has become a franchise. Like, it had a sequel, Legally Two. Blonde 2. Well, it, it had a direct sequel. There was an indirect sequel, a, a spinoff, I would call it, more than a sequel. Um, Legally Blondes, starring, I forget their names. Two They're twins. twins. They're twins, and they play Annabelle and Isabel Woods, Elle Woods' cousins. Obviously a very successful Broadway musical. Uh-huh. And there are still persistent rumors of them trying to figure out a Legally Blonde 3 in which Elle Woods would be running for president. Oh my god, yes. I mean, it, enough time has passed. She is old enough to be president now, so I think we should actually elect Elle Woods. Please! <laughs> okay, so I am not advocating for people to write in Elle Woods during the election. <laughs> like... Please vote for somebody who could feasibly win, and please let it be one particular Regist person. Make sure you're registered to vote, too. This, <laughs> this is, is us pleading, please vote. Please <laughs> vote for somebody, not the... Not the we're we're going to try and not <laughs> persuade you with our own personal politics, but if you were to vote for somebody, we'd rather you vote for Elle Woods over the... <laughs> current person who's sitting in the chair. We're a political podcast now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that won't end well. <laughs> so I thought this was kind of interesting and in a way does harken back a little bit to what I said about True Beverly Hills being based off of the producer's real life. Legally Blonde, the novel uh, written by Amanda Brown was inspired by Amanda Brown's real uh, experiences going to Stanford Law School. I think it's good that they changed it for the movie because there is a higher contrast um, between New England and Southern California than California and California. Yes. <laughs> but what I thought was really funny was that Amanda Brown printed her manuscript and submitted it on pink scented paper. You shut up. Uh-huh. And I'm that's done. why- End and meeting for all. <laughs> and that's why Elle Woods's uh, resume is on scented pink paper. <laughs> So, final thoughts. First question, John, can you think of other movies with similar themes? Not one that has like the don't judge a book by its cover to this extent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, well, I mean, every adaptation of Emma. Okay, every adaptation of Emma. <laughs> and there's several I of those. I, I, like, I, I've, I don't know the actual story of Emma, so I'm it's, not gonna, 
I'm going to just agree with you and not argue with you on that one. <laughs> it is the Regency era version of Clueless. Clueless is a very, very true adaptation with the major change being the time period. Like it's, it's remarkable how well they adapted it to a different time period. Hmm. Next question. Did we like these movies? Fuck yes. Yes. Would we watch them again? Fuck yes. Yeah. I mean, who's asking this? Me. I, I, I bought Troop Beverly Hills on Prime because I was like, you know what? We're going to watch this again at some point. Yeah. I own all three of them on DVD already. I've owned them on DVD forever. Yeah. Would we... it, I was going to say, I would recommend it for everyone to fucking buy it on Prime. Yeah, I would recommend all three of these movies, especially True Beverly Hills is a pretty good one for families because, I mean... It's a family movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's a family movie. I watched it as a kid, and a lot of this stuff with the adults went over my head a little bit, but I loved watching the kids. There's not, like, sex talk, really. The only thing that they do is kiss or go through divorce court. Right. But... It's very child-appropriate. It's an 80s family movie, which is a little more wholesome than today. Right. Uh, And Clueless and Legally Blonde are, I mean, I I would still, I watch Clueless with my nine-year-old niece. If you have not seen these movies now, what the fuck is wrong with your life? What the hell? Final question. Are they actually the same? Um, I'm going to agree with what you've been saying this whole podcast, Mm -hmm. where it seems like it's the same character at different points of her life. Right. So uh, in that respect, yes. Everything else, no. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that they are the same story, but a different plot because the story is the character development. And that's, that's very much, they are, you know, there's variations on it, but they are very much on the same path emotionally. And then the, the, the plot is the particular framework that she's thrown in in order to have that journey. And that's what's different between these movies. Yes. If you like one of them, you'll like the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to at us about that we're wrong or we're right, <laughs> yeah. um, you can tweet me at MoviesJohn, which <laughs> is John with no H on Twitter. And Shady, what is your twatter? Um, it's cookie time. My twatter is at cookie oh shady. Nom 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 cookies. <laughs> it's cookie time. You can email us at movie deja vu pod at g- gmail.com. Wow, I almost said that wrong. Oh no. <laughs> um that's M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D. Our Instagram is at movie deja vu pod, and our Twitter is at movie deja vu. There's no pod on that one, just the deja vu. Next week's episode, we're going to get ready for Halloween with the full Final Destination franchise. Yep, all five Final Destinations. (laughs) Have fun with that if you decide to watch along with us. Hey, John, I have a question for you before we sign out. I may have an answer. (laughs) Fuck, Mary kill, Craig T. Nelson, Paul Rudd, Luke Wilson. That's the order, right? I would agree with you. That's the the order. Sorry, Luke Wilson. (laughs) All right.